We are back, ladies and gentlemen. What is up and welcome in. It is Post Loons, August 20th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me tonight to break down Minnesota United's 2-0 road win at City Field against NYCFC Baseball Club. Uh, it's Mr. Eli Hoff. Eli, how are we doing? Not too bad, Jeremy. You know, we get to talk about a, a Minnesota team that's winning in baseball stadiums, which uh, feels like an accomplishment yes. right now. So I think that's a, <laughs> it's a you know, it's it's a good time to uh, to be a Minnesota sports fan at the moment. You just had to go there, Eli, but it is true. Yes, it is a 2-0 Minnesota United win. Goals from Jan Gregush, which we'll get to in a minute, and uh, Mender Garcia with the dagger down the stretch as well. Um, Dane St. Clair with a great performance in goal that we will get to. Uh, but we want to hear what you guys are thinking about the match as well. Obviously, Eli and myself will give our takes and kind of our analysis of the match. But this thing really only goes if you guys provide your input as well. So if you're watching on YouTube, leave a question or comment in the chat. Also, give the give the uh, video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. Subscribe to our channel if you could. Um, if you're watching on Twitter, that's completely fine. You can just chill, hang out, watch on Twitter. But if you want to get involved, you actually have to go to our YouTube channel. The comments that we see on our stream yard here are only from YouTube. So if you want to get involved and you want us to kind of address your question or comment on the air, respond to it, have that interaction with you, you got to go over to YouTube. Uh, just go to YouTube.com, search Post Loon, search Soda Soccer, and you will be right there. But big thanks to everybody who's tuning in tonight. And uh, Eli, let's let's jump into this. Let's go ahead and jump into our three things here. I'll, I'll get us started. Yes, it is a 2-0 road win, which you will take 1,000 times out of 1,000 if you're Adrian Heath, if you're Minnesota United, if you're a fan. Uh, but this was largely a flat performance for Minnesota United tonight, especially in the first half. Um, so my first thing is, you know, Minnesota were flat, but NYC just happened to be much, much flatter. Um, is that a concern for you at all? Obviously, the result is a big one. Um, it's on the road. Um, it's It's 2-0. But uh, to me, the performance leaves a lot to be desired. What do you think? I think I think there's there's a few ways to look at it. One, the game plan allows for some flatness there with just this kind of counterattacking emphasis. I think possession was at like thirty seven percent. You know that that doesn't necessarily in, you know require a whole lot of movement on the ball, especially because NYCFC were moving around so much off the ball. Yeah. Um, I think also you look at the circumstances of this game. You're coming off of that tough Le- leagues cup exit. Right. And, and, you know, thinking you have some momentum there, you go just get beat down in Nashville and then you've got a little bit of a break here. Right. That's a that's a hard reset to make. Uh, this is a, a hard stretch of the season to be in. Right. We're in late August. You know, we've got a heat wave here in Missouri. It's going to be 100 something for the next few days. I imagine it's going to be warm up there, too. And so, you know, you're, you're getting into the dog days of the season here. You're on the lower end of the playoff push. That's all difficult. And then they say, hey, happy Sunday night. Go play a game in a baseball stadium in yeah. New York City. I, you know, again, from you know, these guys are all professional athletes. They get paid a lot of money to go do this and perform like this. I just, you know, I imagine that's the equivalent of like checking your calendar in the morning and seeing your days full of Zoom meetings, right? <laughs> like, I, you know, so so who can yeah. who can blame you if you need an extra cup of coffee to get going for that? Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's like you said, you know, NYCFC were were flatter at the moments that mattered, and and you catch them there, and you take a two zero win, and if you can put it uh, put put out that level of effort and still come away with a two zero win, you know, I think you have to be pretty encouraged with that because the the form and the energy, you know, there's time for those to come back, and and there will be a lot of urgency as the season progresses down the stretch. 
That, that is a good point about the way Minnesota United plays, especially yeah. on the road. And I think that's what attributed to that's what has attributed to a lot of their success on the road is they are very good at sitting back, letting the other team have that lion's share of the possession. You know, and when they're doing that, they're not necessarily looking like they're doing much, right? They're just really yeah. sitting back in a block, really just hoping to defend well. And then when they find those opportunities to hit back on the flanks, they do that. Um, I, I just thought, you know, they didn't necessarily look that tight with the ball when they had it um they didn't look very uh i I guess they didn't look like they were really looking to press forward when they had the ball too much um but at the end of the day you can't really fault the uh the game plan when when you when you went to null on the road so that's uh that that's uh that's my first thing there though eli what do what do you uh have here yeah for for me my first thing is just who i think you know we have to to admit was the the mvp of this game and that's that's dane st Clair. um he he remains just one of the absolute best shot-stopping goalkeepers in the league. You know, I, I haven't really looked too closely at the numbers this year. In years past, he's been rated as as the best shot-stopping goalkeeper when you look at expected goals versus actual goals conceded. Uh, but but that showed tonight. The actually breakdown, uh, the Loons had, had, let's see, 0.97 expected goals. Uh, so obviously, you know, outfinished that number a little bit. NYCFC had 2.12 expected goals, right? Yeah. Now, again, imperfect metric, right? You can't score 2.12 goals in a game, but you, you sure as heck can prevent that many goals by making saves, and that's what Dane St. Clair did tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you think back to to bailing out on the, on that own goal at the end where he just is able to get down perfectly and almost you know anticipate that that deflection was going to somehow be there, catching yeah. some of the ricochets. Um, he had a save in the first half that was was technique I've never seen from a goalkeeper before. Uh, I don't know if I, if he was available or if anybody's going to be able to ask him about this, but he did like a, a volleyball dig mm-hmm. in the first half to get it out of there. Never seen a goalkeeper do that before. I, I, you know, I'm not sure if you've seen him out on the training ground practicing that or anything. No, I haven't, but, to be honest. Yeah. But, you know, to, to borrow a corporate motto, that was innovation that excites, I think. Uh, and so anytime you see that in a shot-stopping way from the goalkeeper position, I think it's just just a joy to watch. And, and he keeps this team in games. Uh, that That's you always, you always expect a certain degree of competence from your goalkeeper, right? That they're going to save, save, make the saves they need to make. Uh, Dean Sinclair went above and beyond tonight. And I think that's a, a big part of this because I think the the lack of tempo and some of the lack of energy becomes a lot bigger problem this game is one one at a certain point right um you know this easily could have been a draw in that sense and so it's the it's the the two bonus points or, or three points you know that, that i think really belong to st Clair's performance and and you know i i don't i don't know the sense that that you're getting on on how appreciative this team is for him but i think when you look back to him winning the goalkeeper battle versus tyler miller uh you know mm. seven now that's one of the more decisions in the history of this franchise it really is yeah. just how, how quality he's been back there yeah absolutely i mean look dane dane is is one of those guys his spot is you know solidified on this team he's one of this you know him reynoso uh bongi at this point obviously if if he's still healthy uh a couple others maybe but dane has been absolutely crucial to this team now this year you you, you mentioned the stats the underlying numbers have not necessarily been so kind to Dane um, this year. However, you look at the eye test with DSC and he is never, never seems to be playing this team out of games. Um, He never seems to be a liability back there. There's really not, not too many times where you look at like, Oh, woof, Dane doesn't do that. Then maybe we get a result here. Um, There maybe was one, I think the league's cup game against Chicago, he comes out and tries to stop a a low cross and that leads to a Chicago second goal. That's the the only really 
one instance I can recall that maybe you could say that where Mm -hmm. I think you look at Dane and his presence and goal for this team. I I think he's just on his day. He's one of the best goalkeepers in this league. Has he been playing up to that potential this season? You could argue probably not, but tonight, and maybe it's something about New York when Dane St. Clair is in New York, he just, uh, you know, turns it up another level because against the Red Bulls last season, if you remember stood on his head, uh, made, I believe seven or eight saves uh, to lead Minnesota United to a win. Um, really stepped up his game another level tonight uh, against NYCFC to help help Minnesota see out a, a clean sheet. Seventh win for Dane on the year, seventh clean sheet for Dane on the year as well. Um, you know, which is, is big for their their momentum down the stretch. Absolutely. All right, my second thing here. I'll move this uh, banner out of the way as I get to mine. Um, can Bongi go the distance? Now we do have a comment here from uh, Dave Valensky says, what's the problem with Bongi? How bad is it? Um, the short answer to that question is we don't know. Um, Adrian Heath did say in the post-game press conference that Bongi told him when he came off that, that he felt something in his knee, which is obviously not good. Um, they're not going to know the extent of it until they get back to Minnesota. There's some inflammation. There's, you know, they, they, they have to have, one of their team doctors in Minnesota look at it and actually analyze it before they can give an actual prognosis. But so obviously hoping for the best doesn't seem uh, doesn't seem too great right now, but we will see. But when I say can Bongi go the distance, it, I'm taking kind of a much more 30,000 foot view at his season so far, because this is a guy who plays every minute of every game for this team. And I think I think as he probably should be, <laughs> um, you could argue that maybe he deserves a breather, but he's been such a crucial workhorse for this team on both sides of the ball that in a lot of cases, how, how can you bring him out? If, if it's a one goal game either way, or you're tied, how can you afford to bring Bongi Longwani out of the game for Minnesota United? You can't at this point. And if he's got the the motor, which we know he does, you got to sort of trust him just to stay in there because he has been so crucial to this team. But Maybe you're kind of seeing the flip side of that now, where there there could be could be something uh, as we head down eleven more games left in the season. Um, Bongi, you know, there's unknown at this point, so I don't want to necessarily jump to conclusions. But um, you know, maybe you're seeing the flip side of that, where all those miles maybe do uh, lead to something that that could see him sitting out for a certain amount of time. Well, I, I think there's there's also more concern here in that he's still a younger player. And you're putting this kind of mileage on a guy who's still developing, still developing, you know, has, has, you know, for every, every, you know, mile or kilometer he runs on the field. Now he's probably got thousands more that he he wants to run over the course of his career. And so yeah. and this is, this is the broader problem with the, the global soccer calendar, right? Is that these guys are getting so many miles put on their legs through club competitions and international. And then, you know, we add the league's cup and these international champions cup of the world and, and, you know, all these mm-hmm. things that, that, that's a problem. And and so with someone like Bongi, who's, who's so relied upon, who just, you know, we've seen his, his effort go up so much this year, right? His confidence go up with that, that he's, he's putting even, even more strain on there than, than maybe your, your average player in his role would be. And, and so I think, you know, that's, that's a, that's a factor with this. That's all cumulative. It all builds, you know, obviously tonight was kind of the byproduct of, of that play. Um, and, but you know, it also impacts what his return looks like because Bongi, you know, maybe, maybe in two, three weeks, right. He's good to go. Let the inflammation go down, give him a little bit of recovery time and he's back at what level is he back? Right. At what level, yeah. you know, what is, what does it take for, for Bongi to be able to do what he does on in that winger role? Right. And for that attack, uh, 
you know, I, I think there's there's certainly a, a valid question to be asked there, regardless of what the prognosis is from this injury. Obviously, hope for mm-hmm. for great news that you know put some put some ice on it. What's the the acronym? Rest, ice, compress, elevate. That you know yep. you do a little bit of that, and and it's it's feeling better. But uh, but I you know I, I do worry that there's some some bigger picture concern to be had around that. Yeah, and you also look at the crucial piece right next to him, Amanda Reynoso, who's kind of been dealing with this lingering ankle issue. Uh, we don't necessarily know how bad that is. Obviously, he was good enough to play tonight, but seemed to impact him uh, at some level. So, obviously, something to keep an eye on for Minnesota's attack um, moving forward, especially when you have when you have Timu Puki, who um, you know we have some questions and comments on him that we'll get to. He seems to be doing a lot of the right things in terms of open, creating openings for guys like Reynoso and Bongi. But now he may be looked at, depending on how things look with with Bongi, as okay. Now we need you to actually start start putting goals away, start putting the ball back in the net. So um, we'll have to see how that goes with him. Uh, but Eli, give us your second thing. Yeah, my second thing here is a. Uh... Is, is something that's that's already been pointed out in the comments here a little bit, uh, but but my take is just that that Jan Grigish is is better than than we all remember him being, uh, you know. I, it, and this was I, I was thinking about this just going into the game too, of you know I feel like there's been some almost revisionist history on on his contributions to the team when he was the, a starting midfielder. That you know was was he an MLS All Star? No, but you know he he and Ozzy Alonso were were great tandem there for a while he, he filled the number eight role i think pretty well and, and did something really valuable for the system so i was i was really excited to see him coming back yeah and uh and, and put on the jersey whereas other people i think you know and and that's fine you know if you don't think he's that good of a player if you don't rate him you don't rate him that's fine i'm not gonna not gonna disagree too strongly there but i think tonight he, he showed you know exactly how good he was now that goal was a freak play, right? That's that's not yeah. what this team yeah. signed. Younger, you're saying, yeah, we think he can, you know, he can bag three or four from distance here. Like that, if if anyone in this front office had that in the scouting report, then kudos to them. They should be with a you know a prem team or something. Uh, you know, th- this isn't what he was brought in here to do, but it's it's that sort of confidence that he plays with that that is a huge role that you know he he can slot into this system and create that open right there and just take it and, and drain that shot. I think now. It may not be Gregor specifically, Eli, but we have seen that defensive midfielders on this team have the green light. Yes. Uh, oh, whether 100%. it's Will Trap, Kervin Ariaga, Gregish, Dotson, whoever yep. it is, um, they really trust these guys to, hey, if you have an open open look from distance, it doesn't matter if it's 25, 30 yep. yards, pull the trigger. Yep. Well, and, and that's even that's even there for, for guys at fullback. You know, if they're yeah. if they're you know if there's a rebound or something, you know, if they have a lane, they're encouraged to take that shot, and it, I think it pays off. It, it really does because I, I feel like again, I don't have the the numbers here, but I feel like anecdotally, the Loons are scoring more of these long range screamer type goals than other teams in MLS. I don't yeah. maybe the numbers don't back me up there, but it, but I feel like they're up there because of that green light. Uh, you know, should he should he be called Green Light Grey Goose? Should that be a thing? Ooh, like thing. there we go. I that like could, that. That could be something. That could be something. Uh, but no, so so I just just seeing his confidence on the ball. He went passing wise tonight. You know, he had a, a shorter game when he came in for Bongi, but he attempted twenty four passes, completed twenty three of them in a game like tonight. That's so key to have that piece in the midfield that can complete those passes and be steady. You know, that's what Will Trap tends to bring higher those higher completion percentages. Uh, but but that's important with this tempo here when you're when you're playing you know with with limited possession playing out of the counter uh every pass counts there because one missed pass is a missed possession and you have so many fewer possessions as a result uh mm-hmm. so so i think you know his contribution is vital again he doesn't have to be the best player on the field he just needs to to 
fill the void in that midfield. And and in a situation like this where he's coming in off the bench, just needs to be a stabilizing presence and, and provide a little offensive creation. He did that for himself. I think he did that for others. Um, and and so I was I was really encouraged uh, seeing him back there. And and obviously he got a great goal to reward himself. And I'm sure that will only continue to build confidence from here as well. Yeah. I think the thing that impressed me with his performance is this is a guy has that hasn't played since the trade because he was cup tied to Nashville for the league's cup. So, you know, he has been sitting around for a month. Um, yes, he's been training. Yes. He's been getting himself fit. Yeah. You know, he's been, he's been doing things on, on the training ground and everything, but playing in a game, but you can't replicate that. Right. No. Um, so he comes in cold in a, in a position where he did not expect to be coming in. Right. 39th minute. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden you get thrown into the game and he didn't miss a beat. There didn't seem like there was any rust to shake off at all for him. He was immediately progressing the ball up the field, immediately providing that link between the, the defense and the attack. I thought actually his insertion in the match is where Minnesota started to look less flat is where they yeah. started to actually build some connectivity and um, really get a little bit more intentional uh, with, with what they were doing uh, in the attack. So, yeah, I was I was really impressed, and you know, in his on his best day for Minnesota United in his first stint with this team, that is something he provided. Um, and for whatever reason, in his last season with the Loons, he sort of fell out of favor, wasn't getting many minutes. But you know, this is it seemed seems to be so far um, a signing that that could lead to very positive uh, outcomes for this team uh, down the stretch of the season for sure. Well, and and I think part of that too is because you know he he was key to this midfield. In a time when when the style of play that this team has has reverted to this year was the staple of Adrian Heath's system, when it was this yeah. sit back, absorb pressure in a tight block, let the let the opposition team do what they want to do, and then take the ball and go down and create chances. You know that was mm-hmm. Grigish was a staple of that system, and so um, you know I, I imagine he he came in and slotted in pretty quickly. And also you know in, in terms of the, they're not being rushed, he's a professional guy at the training ground. You know he was he was raring to go and, and play with these guys again, and so. Uh, again, I think it's just tonight's performance is a testament to what he can bring. Doesn't mean he starts going forward. You know, I don't know, but I, I think it certainly helps um, ease ease the the Kervinariaga absence until he's back. Uh, which yeah. you know, I know some some good news on, on that front recently that, that we can talk about later. But uh, but I think I think Gregush is is certainly going to be a contributor down the stretch here. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm going to jump into my third thing here, and this is really, I mean, it has has to do with the game, but not the actual game itself. Okay, imagine. So, uh, you know, who knows how many new subscribers MLS season pass got from Lionel Messi being in League's Cup. You know, probably a pretty good amount. Um, imagine being a new fan of, or, or a, a new viewer of Major League Soccer. Um, you watch this great League's Cup, great final last night, great atmosphere great environment You're like oh there's more mls to watch on sunday let me peruse some of these matches oh minnesota and new york sure let's throw this on oh are they playing in a baseball stadium baseball stadiums in mls i i don't know i, I feel like we're just past this at this point and i get that nyc is going to be getting their own soccer specific stadium pretty soon all that stuff's been approved but man it just feels like after this league's cup and you have you have the greatest player of all time in your league, still arguably in his prime, and yet you still have a team who's playing in a baseball stadium. I just, I don't under, I just, I, I don't know. That to me was just. I'm watching this today. I'm like, can you imagine being uh, a huge like Lionel Messi fan? Now you're kind of bought into MLS because he's in this league, and you have to watch two teams play in a baseball stadium. 
I don't know. This is something something that doesn't sit right with yeah. me about that in 2023. Yeah. No, and and I think because it's right now MLS is in such a, a global facing capacity right now with the arrival of Messi that there are so many eyes around the world are on this. And in this the city field pitch is, is the product you want to put out there. You know, again, franchise selection aside, you know, if that's NYC's brand, that's their brand. But is that, is that what the league wants? And, and you look at it, it the, the thing that was really mind-boggling to me was the style of play that NYCFC demonstrated tonight. This just really expansive, get wide and get runs in behind is totally counterintuitive to the field they have set up. I don't Correct. know the dimensions of the city field set up, but I know the Yankee Stadium field isn't wide enough to meet FIFA standards. I can't imagine city fields too much Cities better. is better, but I don't okay. think it it is it meets the standards still. Okay. But I do yeah. think there's a little bit more room than you. A little more? Stadium. Okay. Okay. Uh, but but so it's just, it's just wild to me that a, a team that clearly wants to play this just you know great spaced out expressive soccer is is stuck doing so in a in a narrow baseball stadium where yeah. you can tell obviously where the grass is over the dirt because it's the middle of baseball season you know I, I, I don't know I, I just I, I I wonder how players like Max and Morales who've been in that organization for so long stomach that yeah. of just you know seeing and again you know they've got the stadium coming but. You know what? What does the pitch, and not the field pitch, but the the business elevator pitch, look like for them when they're recruiting players from abroad to say, "Hey, come play in MLS." And you know, yeah, there's there's Apple money now, and you can you can play against Messi here, and you know, show you these environments and stuff. And then they show you what your field is going to look like when you play games on a baseball field, or maybe if you get away from that that like three thousand seat stadium they use at some college or high school there. That I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm just might almost be better this long. Yeah. That might almost be better. Uh, At least but, it's a real field. Well, and then the pitch is, okay, yeah, sometimes we'll play in Yankee Stadium. Sometimes we'll play in City Field. Actually, last year we played a home game in Los Angeles. It's a coast-to-coast brand, Jeremy. Coast-to-coast brand. It's the same ownership group that owns Manchester City. Like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. What are we doing? What are we yeah. doing? Anyways. Yeah. All right, Eli, hit us with your third thing. Yeah, well, my mine's also kind of a big picture thing. It's, it's a little more positive here, though. Um but I, I was I was just you know watching the game tonight, and I just was incredibly impressed by the commentary crew on on uh, on on MLS League Pass tonight. That it, it was you know the Lynx have been blessed with with good commentary um, for a while, but it, it's you know once you go to this league model and you've got these rotating crews, um, it's it's different, right? It's a little bit hit or miss, and and you know it seems like Cal and Kendra uh, get a get a fair amount, but Jen Hildreth and uh, and Ricky Lopez Espin tonight were phenomenal because yeah. I, I I can't think of the last time that I was watching, you know, a, a league wide broadcast that broke down both teams tactics so well in the first yeah. half when, when, you know, again, it's a different standard for Cal and Kendra because they've watched this team for a long time, right? They, they still have ties here and all that, you know, these were, were two people who had nothing to do with the loons who were giving this astute analysis uh, that, you know, I could tell they had watched these teams play before had paid attention while those teams played before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just in, incredible to see. And, uh, and, and, you know, comments on on the width and the runs and, and what, you know, some of these players are seeing and some of the, the big picture tactics, I think is fantastic because, it, you know, you see so much color commentary, especially that's that's player-driven, right? Yep. Of what's going through a specific player's mind, you know, when they're hitting a shot and stuff like that. And that's great. That's fine, especially when you have a former player on there. This was this was big picture tactic stuff that I think any fan who watched this game with the sound on learned something tonight. Mm-hmm. What, what other team they were supporting, whether they were just a neutral. Uh, 
and and that's something that I think is is really cool about this this project, and something that I hope translates over with more of these crews, especially for some of these Messi games that you've got people who have bought League Pass because they've played FIFA a little bit, and oh, Messi's good, and he's in the U.S. now, and you know, mm-hmm. sure, I already have Apple TV Plus or whatever, and you know, tack it on that you know you can teach people the game here and make them smarter fans here because that's something that just so many sports don't cater to that whether it's mm-hmm. football baseball basketball whatever they don't cater to making the fans any smarter and uh and so and i, I hope this crew uh sticks around and, and keeps doing this and that more people more people catch on to this approach because i just was was incredibly impressed by the the knowledge that was being transferred tonight yeah and look every single broadcaster that mls season pass has brought on is very very good a plus yeah. of their job there's a reason why they were chosen for this role but that has been what you just mentioned, Eli, is what, that has been one of the most obvious growing pains with this uh, season pass, going away from the local crews and going to sort of mishmashed, uh, broad, I mean, they're the same broadcast crews, but they're going to different games and different teams yep. every week, is you lose that familiarity. You lose that real insider analysis perspective of the team that you really only get for somebody that watches them day in, day out, as at the training ground every single week watching this team play. You know, that's, I mean, Cal and Kendra were, were so good just in general, but obviously that's something they brought being the strictly Minnesota United broadcasters is they knew, they knew this team inside and out. Yeah. You don't necessarily get that same level um, when it's, it's two other broadcasters usually. But as you mentioned, tonight was different. And I think as this thing continues to go on and these broadcasts, crews get more familiarity with all these teams because they're you know you know probably broadcasting at least one one team or broadcasting one team at least one time per year. you know i don't know if i'm even saying that right but they're hitting all the teams i think yeah. they're getting the bases if, covered. They, if yeah. they can you know yeah. over the course of the season so as that familiarity grows from year to year maybe that will improve um but yeah i, I thought tonight was stood out for me from a commentary perspective too for sure all right, we do have some questions and comments in the chat. Let's jump into those. Uh, Eric Grady just says, what a win. Eric, I completely agree. Um, we sort of hinted at this from Dave Valensky. Gregish Gold, was it perfectly placed or ricochet off the defenseman? It was a ricochet, but off the ricochet, it was perfectly placed into the back of the net. Anytime the ball hits the back of the net, it's perfectly placed, Dave. So as long as, as, long as you're on the attacking team and not the defending team. Um, Eric Grady jumps in. Uh, a question about Pookie. Uh, this is a good topic to jump into here. Is Pookie just slow or is his timing off when Lud first came? He looked slow for a while too before he turned it around, but he was younger, I believe. Look, Pookie is up there in age. I mean, that was one of the you know the the constant sort of uh arguments against bringing on Timu Pookie that that you would see that's sort of the devil's advocate argument to bringing in a guy like Timu Pookie is his age. Um I don't know if I necessarily see the the, the slowness. Um, obviously, he's probably not as quick as he was when he was 25. But at the same time, I think Pookie's role on this team has largely been to create the openings necessary for guys like Bongi and Ray to do what they do. Um, is that necessarily what you brought him in for? To not score goals but help other guys score goals? Not really, but I think he has been a net positive for this team in his addition. Um, he's, not, he's not just sitting there in the box – poaching, hoping for a ball to come to him and, and turn and shoot like we have seen some from some previous Minnesota United strikers. He is actively getting involved in the attack, actively making runs, actively pulling defenders. 
Um, but like, like we mentioned, if, if this Bongi injury turns out to be pretty significant where there's multiple games missed, that role might have to change. And yes, while you did bring Timu Puki in as a striker to score goals, I do think he is helping this team with his presence. Yeah, I, I think he, he absolutely is. Cause you just watch the, the level of hold up play and, and the contribution that he brings yep. to this offense that, you know, that's, that's valuable in this attack because, there are so many potent players in this attack that it doesn't have to be a, a super defined, you know, number nine that scores goals. And, and, you know, I've talked about this in the past on post limits of, you know, asking the rhetorical question, what does ministry United need from its striker? Uh, you know, I think, I think Timo Puki is an answer to that with, with some of that holdup play um, in terms of his, his pace, you know, I, I hate to, to make a broad stroke stereotypical correlation, but I think if you look at the correlation between a player's hairline and their speed in a straight line, you know those those lines don't cross necessarily uh, where a 33 year old Finnish striker wants them to cross. That's uh, pretty good. That's yeah, pretty it, good. And, and so <laughs> I, I think it's just you know that's the reality of Team Mukuki that you know, I, and I don't think he, he looks terribly slow. I, I think uh, you know I can't anecdotally name a slower player, but I don't think it's he's so slow that he's a liability in the attack, right? Mm-hmm. And and also he he demonstrates a certain strength on the ball that if he can if the ball comes to him, you know he may not be the Mender Garcia who's going to slip behind somebody to chase him down there, but he's going to get the ball in front and hold the defender off on the half turn and be able to hit somebody cutting off of him. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's just as valuable as being able to slip behind. I'd argue even more for this system because this team has been trying to get passes around the back of the defense to strikers for years now. And it just, mm. you know, Mender Garcia's goal tonight was the exception much more than it was the rule. So being able to play on the, on the front side, of defenders is what Timo Puki brings and, and what I think is, is just far more valuable to this team's system right now. Now, does that change a little bit in a, you know, in a world without Bongi being available for this attack? Maybe, but that's a bridge to cross later on uh, in right. terms of right now he's, he's done with this team needs, you know, he's, he's gotten on the score sheet a little bit and, and some of that will, some of that will arrive. I think, you know, look at what Robin Lud brings to this team as an attacker. Now, obviously we haven't seen him this year, but when he's when he's healthy in years past, he's been such a potent goal scorer and contributor here. He had a really slow start to his tenure here, uh, and and I know Eric kind of pointed Eric. that out in the in the comments there that you know he was really a, a non-factor almost, and then all of a sudden, the system evolved a little bit. Robin Lode evolved a little bit into this sort of uh, a setup that prioritizes getting the ball to guys who are who are a little more productive with the ball at their feet. That that all works and also speed doesn't matter as much in terms of off ball positioning and off ball runs you know that's just standing in the right spot can be done whether you have the speed of Usain Bolt or whether you have the speed of me we you know both of us can stand in a, in a spot with the same level of speed uh and and I don't think Tim Pookie's game is one that relies on him needing to rush to that spot uh so and, and in terms of the timing too you know I think that's a, a chemistry thing that that comes with well, that comes with more time and, and playing with these teammates more, figuring out where guys like to be combination-wise in attack. Because, again, that's where Robin Litt is so successful at some of these one-twos and quick combinations. But he didn't get to that point until really like two, three years into his tenure as a loon. Uh, so I think I think uh, the, the jury is still out on how exactly Pookie's physical traits contribute to the game, but I, I don't see a ton of cause for concern at this moment. No, I, I don't either. Like I said, I, I like what Pookie's brought. He's active. As you mentioned, his little play is, has been really good and, and really, really valuable uh, to this point. So um, one valuable asset to Minnesota tonight was VAR. Uh, this is one I, I kind of want to talk about this in the 85th minute. So there was a penalty 
called um referee who adrian heath actually was very complimentary of the official after uh in, in the post-game press conference because what the center official told adrian heath is he didn't have the best view of this alleged challenge and what the officials are told to do in those situations is that you blow the whistle you call the penalty the foul whatever it is and then you let var do its thing this is why var exists now var has changed the way officials officiate obviously because of those things you know keeping the flag down for offsides and goal scoring situations and things like that we saw another aspect of that tonight now in league's cup we did not necessarily see var used to its to its potential tonight we get the right decision where they go to var they see that in no way shape or form did mickey tapias make any contact with julian fernandez uh, Fernandez went down as if he had been shot, uh, but uh, there was no contact made. And so, so my my question is this: and I saw, I think it was Al- our friend Alex McCracken post this on Twitter that if there was no contact made, and so you are there and calling what Fernandez did a dive, if there's no contact made and he goes down, is that not simulation? That's the question, Jeremy. I th- I think yeah. it is. I think it is. Yeah. Um, I I mean I I don't see how you can argue that that it wasn't in that instance. If you know, if for nothing else, because because here's here's my take on this. I, I think it's simulation and it should be that. But even so, he he fake falls to the ground here. Nobody's touched him. He trips and decides to go down. Personal decision. That's his right. Then that stops the game because the ref calls it a penalty, which I think was you know was the right call here. This let VAR do its job. And then there's time here as the players argue. There's time here as the ref is getting talked to in his earpiece from the VAR. There's time as the ref goes over to watch the replay. It's pretty quick because he sees there's no contact. And then all of this happens. I don't know what the amount of time was, right? But let's say, let's say that's, you know, three minutes, right? Maybe two minutes. We could be generous. There should be a yellow for time wasting then because going down for this dive wasted two minutes of time for nothing, right? You'll see goalkeepers get carded for you know wasting 15 seconds before taking a goal kick, and that's enough for time wasting. How is mm-hmm. two minutes for a dive not enough? So I, I think you know there there needs to be some sort of standard created around that. And again, this is this is in a big picture sense uh, because at a minimum it's simulation, uh, you know. But also it's it's time wasting. It's it's bad for the game, and it needs to yeah. be it needs to be gotten rid of. I mean, at the very least, just don't add those two minutes to to stop it, yeah. right? Yeah, you exactly. Know what? You, well, you, yeah, you wasted two minutes. We're not adding it. You yeah, don't get yeah. the two extra minutes. Sorry. Exactly. That was that was the the you know the three corners your team could have squeezed in there, and they were playing desperation ball at the end. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Hundred yeah. yeah. percent. But uh, in any case, they got it right. VAR got it right. Now another thing is, over the course of the last I don't know few years or just in its entire existence, Pro has gotten a lot of criticism. Uh, in some cases, rightly so. Uh, from MLS fans. And there's a bit a large call for MLS to switch to FIFA referees from pro referees. We saw during League's Cup the grass maybe isn't always greener on the other side. So, let's let's uh let's keep that perspective. But uh, no, they got it, they got it right tonight and uh, and good on them for that. Um 90 plus 5, let's talk about this here. Mender Garcia with the dagger, really good assist from Ishmael Tajiri Shradi. Um I don't know how big this goal well, I mean obviously it was it Put the game away. It gave Minnesota the win. 
Um, I do think that a guy like Mender Garcia, just seeing the ball hit the back of the net can be a big confidence boost for somebody like Garcia who desperately needs that confidence boost right now. He scored a really nice goal in Minnesota's friendly uh, back in uh, July, June, July, um, which was, which was good, but to see it hit the back of the net in a meaningful way like this, where you're putting the game away, you're, you're securing three points for your team. Uh, There is, I think there is a little bit of a cause for optimism there that maybe this is something that, you know, maybe can propel Mender Garcia a little bit because obviously uh, being a designated player on this team, you know, is somebody who was thought to bring a lot more contribution uh, than he has so far, quite frankly. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just really trying to see the the silver lining in this. But, um, you know, I think it could, could go down as a potentially big goal for him in terms of his confidence. Yeah, I think it's I – have, I have mixed feelings about it. Well – one, it's a, it's a goal that puts the game away. That's a, that's a good thing. Uh, but in terms of of how this goal came to be, you know, hitting hitting Bender, you know, around the backside of that defender with the low kind of wrapping through ball, that's something that this team has been trying to get to work from him since the day he arrived here. I remember watching the the game at Sporting Kansas City last year in person and just watching them try that over and over. You know, over the top on the ground, just everything of you know, Bender, you run and we'll find you with the ball, and it it, it just it works so rarely. It works so very rarely. And so tonight, tonight it worked. And I think part of that is, you know, it hit him and he's able to basically take a shot first time early. He's not having to dribble in on anybody. I think that's good for his confidence that he can just, you know, see ball, kick ball, score, right? That's mm-hmm. that's a good thing for any striker that they're not having to put in that work. I, I worry that this is validating the wrong approach for this attack. Yeah. That, you know, all of a sudden, is is it working one time going to be evidence that, you know, hey, we should keep trying this more and more? I don't know. I don't know if that's the approach, um, you know, but but again, you know, Anthony Edwards could could pull up from half court every possession and he'd, he'd probably score a few times. And, you know, does that make it a good strategy? Right. Uh, you know, we're, we're going with all the cross board analogies tonight, I think. Hey, well and, hey, and drop 30 <laughs> today for Team USA. So no, I know I was, I'm, I'm I was good watching for those the, comparisons. Yeah, I was I was watching the highlights. So so maybe maybe the Wolves need a little more of that. Um, but 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 so it's it's great for Mender. It, it, it certainly can't hurt his confidence, certainly can't hurt his play style. Um, it, it's just about, you know, this team finding consistency it's in, in its attack and and figuring out the, the best and most efficient way to to go out and score goals. Um, and Again, it it worked tonight. Two kind of unconventional goals that you don't see every day with Jan Gregush hitting that and Mender hitting that, and it it works. Um, you know the the idea of percentages and averages and stuff that works out in the long term, but sometimes two fluky goals gets you three points, and, and you can't be too mad about that. So um, hopefully, it's good for his confidence, and it's just good to see him contributing because uh, that's that's been something that this team has just been trying to unlock since the day he got here. Somebody who could be contributing from Minnesota United before the end of the season, surprisingly, potentially Kervin Ariaga. Uh, we got news from Adrian Heath in the post-game press conference that Ariaga's injury is actually not as bad as Robin Lutz was. Um, he said the surgeon was actually who because I guess he had a surgery two days ago or something like that um, earlier this week, and um, the the surgeon was actually pleasantly surprised with how um i guess how unsevere it's still severe but um a lot better than originally thought to be um so what that means is while 
Originally, Ariaga not on the season-ending injury list, for one. So there still is that opportunity. And two, um, Adrian Heath did say he's not necessarily ruling out Ariaga's return should Minnesota United make the playoffs. Six to eight weeks from now is the prognosis for um, Ariaga, which would lead you right up to decision day. Um, and so if Minnesota can get in the in the postseason – that could be something that we see uh, Kervin Ariaga return there. So obviously very, very, very good news for Minnesota United Ariaga. It was unfortunate the timing of the injury because he was just kind of just starting to, to get back into form. And, um, you know, if, if he can return, that's just another reinforcement that could be huge for a Minnesota United team that, I mean, they, they can use depth wherever they can get it at this point. And uh, once you hit the playoffs, that, that depth becomes really important too. Yeah, there's there's no such thing as too much depth um, yeah. in, in in any sport with any team this this year, especially for the loons. And and you know, again, anyone who's who's been around here long enough knows that that I'm a huge Kervin Ariaga fan and that I love his skill set and what he brings to this team. Uh, that as they fit into the style more, you know, it's like you said, like it, it felt like he he really flipped a switch uh, going into the season. And I think it's because the the team was really working for for the way he wanted to play the game, and then all of a sudden, boom, he goes down and. It's it's rough. Um, so six to eight weeks is is obviously fantastic for him. That you know, I think that also uh, should be a, a positive indicator for a lack of long term consequences for this. Um, w- what you hope is that it's enough time that he can be ready to contribute, so that you know, if he mm-hmm. wants to come in in the first round of the playoffs, that he's not having to rush back for that. That he's able to maybe even you know that this team can be in a position where decision day is. Uh, you know, is is not a super crucial result, and that it's know, Minnesota he, United, Eli. Decision uh, day is okay. it, we're just made to sweat on decision. So, day. so, so what we really need to prepare for is that on decision day, you just got to hope that Kervin Ariaga is ready to give his best fifteen minutes at the end. He's going to have to put together, you know, three, you know, outside of his foot diagonals. You know, he's going to have yep. to set up somebody out there. You know, he's going to have to do it all in those final. He's going to have to minutes. drop back in, play a third center back role yeah, to uh, exactly to Seattle win. Yep. Exactly. So this is this is one of those things that, you know, for athletes, so much of their job is so much preparation for such a short time to actually perform. Yeah. That that ratio is going to be even more exacerbated for Kervin Ariaga. He's got he's got two months here to be ready to give this team his best 15 minute cameo at the end of that decision day game. Uh, you just you just hope he's going to be ready for the occasion. Yeah. Hey, start training now, Kervin, for that, exactly. for that exact moment. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, next up, Minnesota United is back at Allianz Field next Sunday. So another Sunday one, and it's a Sunday matinee. Out of the 7.30 start times, 3.30 kickoff at Allianz. So if you are a parent, you can actually bring your child to a game and not have them stay up past their bedtime, which is, as a parent, is is all you can really ask for in life. So um, that should be a fun one. Um, we will have postlands after. It'll be Carter Hofer and uh, David Naylor um, for postlands after that one. And then, um, yeah, the hopefully continuing some positive momentum. Minnesota, while it was a very abrupt one-sided end to their League's Cup run, I thought they actually built up a lot of good confidence and momentum from that. And tonight, it was actually good to see that translate into league play. Um, we'll just have to see if they can finally figure out how to do it in league play at home and build off that and, and get another three points. Yeah. When I, I think it's, it's this, this opportunity against Seattle, you know, we, we've grown used to the Sounders being something of kind of an MLS powerhouse or, or a team to be afraid of. Uh, that's, that's not the case this year. I was just no. looking through the results here since Memorial day, which was a while ago now, 
as we approach Labor Day and State Fair season. Since Memorial Day, I'm seeing that the Seattle Sounders have only won one game. And that was on July 8th against Vancouver. They beat them 3-2, to two and the Whitecaps had a player sent off. Uh, mm-hmm. Seattle's currently down 1-0 to Atlanta United as we record this in the 35th minute. So that could change. Uh, but a, a lot of draws, a lot of losses. They're a rough Leagues Cup campaign. This is this is not your this is not your grandmother's Seattle team, uh, and and so I think there's an opportunity there and a, a youthful crowd, some children who are actually able to watch professional soccer be played uh, without risking behavioral issues or or being you know <laughs> we're leaving right now and all that you know I, I think this could this could really be an opportunity for the loons to uh, to convert something here and and keep this momentum going and, and pick up points that. Maybe you didn't expect to be there when you uh, when you plotted out the the season schedule at the start of the year. So I was looking at the standings just to see where Seattle currently sits. So they're fourth. Somehow, I, I'm looking at these Somehow. results. I, I I don't quite know how they are in fourth, but they are. They are. Um, but I'm looking at. I mean, the one that stands out to me in the West right now, is St. Louis. I mean, yeah. they're. I mean, the, they've been in first for a large part part of the season, and they have now. They're up after a. Really dismal leagues cup run, which you thought may halt their momentum. They're throttling Austin right now, three nil in the 58th minute at home. Uh, yeah. So that's a, that's a team to watch out for. I think September 23rd, uh, Minnesota hosts St. Louis. Um, Eli, obviously you're down in you're down in Missouri. Uh, you're in Columbia though. But what's uh, what's the vibe down there for for St. Louis City right now? Obviously, I, I'm sure it's all it's all good things. But uh, I mean, what was I mean, obviously, probably defying expectations at this point, too. Oh, right? yeah. 34 points at this point in the season. No, absolutely. It's been interesting because for those who don't know Missouri geography, your crash course lesson is that Columbia is right smack in the middle of the state. We're, we're two hours from both Kansas City and St. Louis. It's a two-hour drive to either place. Um, and so it's always interesting when both cities have a sports team who the allegiances here kind of tend to be. Like, it, it tends to be Cardinals over Royals right now. Um, and it's also, you know, it's been it's been sporting Kansas City dominated because they've been the team. Um they're getting no buzz here. It's all St. Louis City right now, because yeah. you you look at what this this team has has come in and done, um, and now you know that's helped by SKC being largely irrelevant this year. Uh, yeah. But but what they've done has just been impressive for every team. Again, I'm looking at the table, counting the three goals from tonight. It looks like they're plus 19 in goal differential. That's you know that's that's indicative <laughs> of a good team, but also a team that scores a lot of goals and is really fun to watch. Uh, I was at their stadium uh, about a month ago, and the U.S. men's national team was there for Gold Cup, and you know they've they've got something really great uh, going in St. Louis, and, and St. Louis is is one of the original best soccer cities in the U.S. Um, so yeah. really incredible there, um, and and to see an expansion team do this, I think is is really rewarding. Um, it's you know it, while they while they may be good and they may be close by, I feel like it's hard for this to really feel like a rivalry for Minnesota United because you just kind of have to respect what they're doing um, and, and the way they're going about this. And I don't think the League's Cup campaign matters too much because as soon as Messi stepped on the field there, it sort of became evident of like, this is what this tournament is about. And if you're St. Louis City, maybe you just didn't care too much about that and you've mm. got your eyes on doing something kind of crazy and historic in the league in your first year. Um, so so really excited to, to see that product. Um, and, and see it keep growing there because it's 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 got a it's got a whole state buzzing. It really does. 
Yeah, it definitely does. And um, it's so cool to see an expansion team do what St. Louis is doing right now. I'm personally, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I'm from Western Illinois. So it's kind of cool to see a St. Louis sports team uh, dominate like that in in their first year. So, um, yeah, obviously a lot of good vibes down in St. Louis. Uh, Minnesota with this win, though, let's get back to the Loons. They are back above the playoff line, sitting ninth. Um, That will not change after any results tonight. Uh, Vancouver's there in eighth. Uh, Eli, Dom and I talk about this every week on 10,000 pitches, but you want to avoid that best of three at all costs if you're Minnesota United. Yes. Like, like, yes, the playoff line is ninth, but to me, the real playoff line is getting up to at least seventh, so you don't have to play a best of three. Yeah, well, and, and the thing with with ninth, too, and, and you know, even, even eighth, either of those spots, um, that, that's still bottom half of the table in the West. Um and, and so, you know, I think this is a team that, again, regardless of how MLS wants to set up its playoff structure, you want to be top half of the table. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, this year that means being in seventh or higher. And and you look at it, it's tight there from, you know, from from Dallas in 10th, they're on 30 points up to San Jose in 5th, they're on 33 points, right? And you've got, so you've got all these teams in there. One, that means it's going to be a tremendous final push at the end of the season here. Everyone's within reach here. This team could could have a home playoff game if they play their cards right. Uh, but it means, you know, you, you got to get those results against teams within that zone there um, because those are, you know, those are games that a win can really mean six points functionally in terms of the distance you're, you're putting on somebody in the table there. And you hope that some of those teams, the the St. Louis, maybe even you say LAFC, RSL, are their sort of foregone conclusions at the top of the table. You hope they do things uh, like what St. Louis is doing to Austin right now, just put them away change the goal differential because the loons the loons are, are minus two on goal differential uh yep. which doesn't stack up particularly well within that zone uh so the other key here is, is getting more goals like this Mena garcia one that are daggers that you know keep the clean sheet put her in two or three on the other end and start racking that up absolutely all right we're gonna finish off on a headline i saw today dom um it was about Inter Miami. So they obviously won League's Cup last night. Congrats, congrats, Inter Miami. They're now going to win CONCACAF Champions Cup next year and whatever. Um, but uh, I saw a headline that said um, it was uh, so Messi had said that he he's all in for the U.S. Open Cup. Like, you know, and the headline was, is Inter Miami making a mistake not resting Lionel Messi for the U.S. Open Cup? And I was like, this team is in last place in the Major League Soccer standings. I think MLS play is the time to rest Messi. I think you play him in the circumstance where you're two wins away from getting more silverware. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I read that. I'm like, really? Like that's, they're two wins away. You, you, you go all in on this. If you're in Miami, if you can win two trophies in a year where you have no hope in MLS play, you, you go for it hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's a few things here. Um, you know, one, when whoever asked that question of Messi of, are you, are you, you know, Mr. Messi, are you are you all in on the U.S. Open Cup? D- did they expect him to say anything other than "I'm all in"? I think yeah. the only other possible answer would be, "Isn't that a golf tournament?" And and <laughs> you know, and, and he, he'd be forgiven for doing that because because who the heck knows what the U.S. Open Cup is when you're coming yeah. into the league for the first time? Uh, but but no, I mean, you've got a chance to to win hardware there. Uh, he, he obviously is excelling in these knockout competitions because he's Lionel Messi and this team yeah. is what it is right now. So yeah, go go get those two wins and then maybe you, you see what happens in MLS games in the meantime. You know, they're on what, 18 points. Chicago in ninth is on 32. So you have to make up 14 points. That's a lot in that last stretch there. That's a lot, especially when you know, see the teams are going to be trying to. Although I don't see them, I don't see them not winning. 
down yeah. the stretch, though, with yeah. the way they yeah. played in the League's Cup, it's insane. And, and you, you know, you look at this this trio that between you know Messi and Busquets, maybe you just got to play one of them on a given MLS game to have a good chance there and bring him off the bench and use him sparingly. So I, I think you need to, to manage that and then prioritize the hardware. Um, and then you know you hope that that next year you you keep him and he's he's still all in and he he you know has learned what the supporter shield is um, because if he sets his sights on that he'll probably make that trophy number like fifty two at that point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I also love that. I mean, Robert Taylor's always been a great player, but he's just like a superstar now that he's playing next to Lionel Messi. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I would. Uh, I, I remember seeing just from I think it was Messi's first game the clip of, and I, I think it was DeAndre Yedlin running down the side that he was making a run and you could see him kind of let up at a certain point. He's like, oh, the pass isn't going to reach me. And he realizes yeah. it's Messi passing it and picks it back up. And of course the ball hits him, you know, right on his right face. Right. Foot. That just yeah. man, to be one of those, those teammates in, in Miami right now, it, it's just gotta be amazing that, you know, yeah. it must be like when, when some random wide receiver gets signed by the chiefs and then like, yeah. they're running around and all of a sudden the ball's just right there. Cause it's Patrick Mahomes. Like yeah. I, I, that feeling has got to be fantastic for them to just have that degree of competence on wearing the same color shirt as them 100 yeah it's just it's crazy to see this whole messy thing just actually play out before our eyes and the way leagues cup went for miami and um i don't know it'd be interesting to see if they can actually do it that's like the it's crazy that like the biggest storyline down the stretch of the mls season is not i mean st louis is big but the biggest storyline is going to be can the last place team make the playoffs yeah. <laughs> Well, and also the, the biggest storyline is how can MLS justify changing the playoff structure at the last moment to actually include 12 teams from each conference oh in the playoffs God. and get everybody on board so long as Messi is playing more games and there's more revenue coming in. You know, I, I think who's who's really going to object to that? Who's going to object to that? Put it, Make it a knockout competition. Have, you know, just make it Inter-Miami in 12 plays Team 11, plays Team 10, and they just keep working their way up. It's a ladder and we see... You know no. how many wins they can keep doing, and if they can win twelve straight, they win MLS. Um, Boom! I, you know, there you go. hard hard pressed to bet against them in that setup. Honestly, the the ratings would be out of this world oh, for that. Too. It'd be it'd be top notch TV, top notch TV. Turn into a Netflix show too. Drive to Survive, oh, but into yeah. Miami and yeah, yeah. Okay, we're getting this like Drive to Survive esque MLS documentary at some point, right? Like, I, I think so. It's the same. It's the same production company. I think. Yeah. When have did you, they have start you seen filming? Them? I don't. I was going to ask if you if you'd seen them around, you know, Minnesota United training or noticed them at all no, or anything. Nothing. I or... mean, you would think like with the Toronto saga that was going on, and now Messi and like all this. I I hope that they're getting this. Like I hope that yeah. filming has started. Well, well, I mean, and, and when you look at because the whole thing is how you impose the kind of outside narrative on it, right? And it doesn't have yeah. to perfectly correspond with what somebody who watches every game and follows everything sees. But you know the the Reynoso stuff here. That yeah. you can you can cast the Minnesota United as the team that you know has always been one step away, one player away, one signing away, and you know, and they have their guy in Reynoso, who's a top five guy, top five guy in the league, and then you know, who knows how hard hitting they want to go on what happened down in Argentina, but you know, his whole return here and, and this team's league's cup run, and then oh no, it came crashing down in Nashville. Like, there's a seems to me there's like a there's lot. a pretty good episode to be done there. Um, so I, I I'll be I'll be real curious to see what what starts coming out about what this filming looks like and also when they plan to release it because uh, yeah. what I feel like is was good about you know Drive to Survive they released it I think like three or four weeks before the F1 season started this year yep. so it's a perfect little turn through this and then you Ramble. feel all caught up and ready to go 
you know, are, are they going to be ready for this when the season kicks off and what now, like probably late December for the 2024 season. <laughs> I feel like yeah, it keeps getting exactly. earlier that uh, the, the league's Christmas gift is going to have to be a, a season of MLS. I don't know. Do they have a name for it? Is there a working name? I haven't heard anything. But... For what? Oh, the, the, the for documentary? What oh, yeah. gosh. I don't Cause, know. Because Drive to Survive so good. I don't know what you can do. I I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll workshop that. We'll workshop yeah. that. We'll we'll come up with something. Yeah. Well, send us your Rex here. We might be able to to get a trademark file and make some money off of this. So there you go. It's an All right. Uh with that, we will uh end this edition of Post Loons. Uh he's Eli Hoff. I am Jeremy Rushing. Big thanks to everybody who has tuned in tonight. Left your questions, your comments on your way out of the stream. If you could leave a thumbs up, that would be great. If you could subscribe to the channel, that would be great. Um, if you want to be notified when we drop a new video, there's a little bell you can tap underneath the video here. Um, be a friend. Tell a friend as well. Uh, we'll be back for another edition of Post Loons after Loons in Seattle next Sunday. It is a 2-0 Minnesota United win in New York, getting MLS play restarted on the right foot. And, uh, Eli, it's been a pleasure breaking it down with you tonight. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, enjoy enjoy your time covering the uh, the old Tigers down in, uh, down in Columbia. Yeah, for sure. It's time to time to transition to the other football now. Uh, yeah. You know, the the American game's ramping up, but always a good time. I appreciate you having me on, Jeremy. I appreciate you, Eli, even though you're wearing an Aston Villa jersey. That's fine. You know, it, it had to do it. Had to do it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.